On this episode of our award-winning podcast, we'll continue our discussion about the CMS STARS mortality rating system and what it means for providers and patients. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. Joining me again from Vizient are Linda Weissman, Senior Consultant Director for Clinical Documentation Improvement at Vizient, and Rachel Mack, Consulting Director for Clinical Documentation Improvement at Vizient as well. Linda and Rachel, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. So how can hospitals improve on their mortality rankings? Okay, Linda, I'll go first for this one because I'm sure you have quite a bit to add. So Tom, first and foremost, how can hospitals improve these scores? Make sure your patient is in the right DRG. That is the biggest piece. Sometimes it's very easy for CDSs and coders to land a patient in a CHF DRG or a COPD DRG, but what is the patient truly being admitted for and what should be their principal diagnosis? The second thing that hospitals can do to improve their CMS STARS mortality rankings is, and you've heard me say this on several podcasts at this point, but we have to do CDI as though it's 2023 or CDI like it's in the future. We can no longer just query for first or second or third CCMCC. We have got to review these records for risk-adjusting opportunity. And what that means is you may be querying for diagnoses that you never have before that don't impact the DRG that don't shift SOIROM. But on the back end or on the front end, if you're working with Vizient's mortality calculator, the Elix Helzer variables or the CMS stars variables, they risk adjust concurrently. So the other thing is, and then I'll let Linda go, there are essentially at this time three big kahuna, that's what I like to call them, big kahuna groups of diagnoses that will risk adjust and fall into all five of the CMS stars mortality condition categories. And that is protein calorie malnutrition, dementia or other specified brain disorders, and congestive heart failure. So when in doubt, query for those every single time if there's vague or missing documentation in your patient's records, particularly Medicare over 65 and in any of these DRGs. So when we talk about risk adjusting these charts and we talk a lot about variable condition categories, what we're referring to with these variable categories is simply a group of ICD-10 codes that roll up into that variable category that'll again affect your mortality rating for that patient. So Rachel went over the ones that were included in all of the measures. So it's important for us to take a look at those. Of course, protein calorie malnutrition pretty much stands on its own. The only thing included with all of that with the malnutrition diagnoses is keep in mind cachexia. You can be documenting cachectic or cachexia to capture that protein calorie malnutrition. There's some obscure ICD-10 codes that roll up into some of these variable categories. Like we mentioned, dementia and other specified brain disorders. You can code actually ICD-10 codes for age-related cognitive decline, age-related physical debility, and temporal sclerosis. Now, those first two, how many of our elderly patients in the hospital actually meet that criteria for age-related cognitive decline and age-related physical debility? Providers may be more inclined to document the age-related cognitive decline rather than giving a diagnosis straight off of dementia. And also for congestive heart failure, you've got those primary and secondary pulmonary hypertensions, alcoholic cardiomyopathy, all of your dilated cardiomyopathies. End-stage heart failure is very important to get into our documentation if it's clinically applicable for that patient. And Linda, I find this that pulmonary hypertension to me is overlooked regularly in these records where patients have these very high pulmonary pressures and they're either just not documented or maybe under treated a little bit. 
The other thing too, piggybacking off what Linda said, that age-related physical debility code is also a pretty significant Visium variable for our CDB members. So just something to be on the lookout for as well. Each one of these variable categories has a corresponding coefficient for each one of the conditions and procedural categories that is used to calculate the patient's corresponding mortality risk adjustment factor. So just understanding how those coefficients are used for the scoring is important for our members to understand. And Tom, I'm actually going to dive into one more thing just to answer the the broad question. How can hospitals improve these scores? Sure. This is a very specific, easy takeaway for our CDI specialists and our coders that are listening. A lot of hospitals for the CMS star stroke measure, NIHSS scores is becoming a little bit of a hot topic this year. We have found that essentially only 40% of stroke claims across the country include an NIHSS score. Sometimes you talk to CDI specialists and coders and these live all over the place in the record. Sometimes they're in an HMP or an ED note. Sometimes they're in an RN flow sheet. But regardless, starting later this year, not capturing this NIHSS data will potentially negatively affect hospital reimbursement as part of the 30-day stroke mortality measure. So a quick takeaway if you want to improve on this and jump on it immediately is make sure that you know where these NIHSS scores live. It's usually not something you have to query for. This is usually something that's documented, and it's just a member's responsibility to pick it up. And the discussion may be, where should these be consistently documented so that we consistently can pick them up for our stroke cases as well? Rachel, that to me is a gold nugget (laughs) and actually an opportunity, if you will, where maybe even standing order sets where it automatically asks the provider to state where they are for the NIHSS score might be a great opportunity. That would be amazing, Tom. That is a great opportunity. And the other thing, and this is just, I've always got a high horse, so just putting this out there. (laughs) A lot of times I think that these aren't reported because our current coding guidelines, they specifically state the NIH stroke scale codes can be used in conjunction with acute stroke codes. They don't mandate that they must be used with this acute stroke code. So maybe we'll get some updates in our official coding guidelines at some point later this year too, so that these are captured with every single stroke case. An article in JAMA that came out in December actually gave a term for copying and pasting. They called it sludge. How much is sludge affecting what we're seeing in reference to either CDS and the coding that occurs when it comes to mortality, in your opinion? Well, what we try to teach our providers is that we know you're going to copy and paste. It's a part of the electronic world. Yeah. What they need to do is copy, paste, and edit. Those notes have to be edited every day and the change in the patient's status needs to be documented. So copy, paste, edit is our friend. And Tom, what Linda just said, copy, paste, edit Mm -hmm. is definitely the best friend. And I did not know that that term was called sludge. And that is a perfect word for it in the CDI encoding world. There is nothing worse than hopping into a follow-up review a day or two after you've done your initial review and everything looks exactly the same. But you look at scans that have changed, you look at treatment that has changed, you look at labs that are very abnormal and are clearly being treated. And that is very frustrating, not having that documentation. And honestly, that's CDI 101 a lot of times is querying and clarifying for those things. So yes, the takeaway for physicians and providers should be, please copy, paste, edit. Don't just copy, paste every day. Yeah. In fact, the article actually found that we tend to say among physicians, specifically my hospitalist colleagues, you need to do it just to decrease some of the burnout and help with efficiencies of time. But in reality, according to the study, you actually increase burnout among providers because it takes three times as long just to figure out what's going on in the patient clinically if you're going through the notes. Agreed. Linda and Rachel, thanks for joining us on these two episodes. And to our listeners, you can contact Rachel and Linda at their email addresses in the resource section of our podcast page. 
And if you have any questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast at visientinc.com. We've posted a link in our resource section. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.